Resorts, homes and a newly built hospital have been washed away. No electricity, nothing whatsoever. We need to be prepared for the future. I'm just holding on for dear life here. This isn't fun. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it? And make sure everyone's safety comes first. Save what for dream. You must ready. Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure. Eventually, I know it's going to hit. It's only a matter of time. Helping your community. Helping your family. Helping you. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Hi, I'm Fred Hooper, and this is Pacific Prepared. It's a show all about natural disasters, climate change, and traditional knowledge, and how those things are all connected. And you'll hear that through stories from right across the Pacific. Each week, we work with local reporters. They're on the ground letting us know what's happening in this space and what people want to hear about. On today's show, being alone in another country during a natural disaster, you don't have communications and no way to let someone know that you're okay. We'll hear that experience soon. Also, Tongan agriculture. It's on the way back. It was hit pretty hard by the 2022 volcanic eruption and tsunami. But after the agricultural show recently, there's been some pleasant surprises. And signs of a natural disaster. Traditional knowledge of the weather and how it was used to predict disasters before technology took over. That's all coming up. This is Pacific Prepared. The time to prepare is now, not right before an emergency. No electricity, nothing whatsoever. You are listening to Pacific Prepared. It doesn't matter where you live in the world. You would have heard about the 2022 volcanic eruption and tsunami in Tonga, one of the largest ever explosions recorded on Earth. All eyes were on Tonga, people trying to get information about people. And for people who knew people there, it would have been terrifying. A young Fijian teacher by the name of Kalasi moved to Tonga in 2019. She was alone, no family with her. Fijian Pacific prepared reporter and freelance journalist Josiah Nanunga visited Tonga recently and has this story. Thousands of people in Tonga, particularly Tonga Tapu, were wandering about, doing their daily chores like any other usual days on early Saturday afternoon, the 15th of January 2022, when a volcano erupted, igniting massive shocks and fear amongst these people, even people on the islands towards the southeast of Fiji. At least six people died, 19 were injured, and others were reported missing apart from an estimated 90.4 million panga in damage sustained in Tonga. Imagine yourself during that chaotic scene from another country, being alone and away from family members. One might think that it would take massive courage and strong willpower to counter the situation. That eventually rings true for Miss Kalesi Rabobo, who is a Fijian teacher in Tonga. Miss Rabobo's family lives in Fiji, and she was all alone in Tonga, inside her quarters during the Hunga Tonga Hunga Hapa eruption 
and Tsunami. Bolavinaka, my name is Kalesi. Um, I am 25 years of age and um, this is my fourth year here in Tonga uh, working as a primary school teacher. Yes, I'm here alone, just by myself. My family is back in Fiji. It's challenging. Most of the times it's lonely because uh, homesick is a different story, yeah? being homesick. But um, it's um, actually um, a very, very sad thing to experience being away from home. Eh? Uh, families are important. They play an important part of our lives. And when they are away, it's, um, it's quite challenging for me, actually. Uh, at that year, I was currently teaching at uh, Hilliard Memorial School. It's a school situated at Nukwalofa, which is in town. So uh, while I was working there, I was residing at uh, the mission resident of the Seventh-day Adventist uh, mission here in Tonga. And it's uh, allocated close to the wharf at Alimoni. So when that uh, eruption happened, I was close to... I was at the seaside, actually. That's where where I resided at Alimoni. Mm. And what was the first thing that uh, came to mind? I know it's new, something new here for many people in Tonga, uh, the volcanic eruption. Eh? Uh, what was the first thing? What was your reaction like when you first uh, heard of the sound coming from uh, the ocean? <laughs> it was a totally new sound. Eh? Uh, it's scary, very scary. And... When we first heard that sound, we felt like, you know, we felt like we were experiencing something new but dangerous. Eh? So we were experiencing all kinds of mixed emotions, fear. We had, we were experiencing anxiety at that time. And most of all, we were all scared. Eh? We were all scared when we heard that. It was a, a totally new sound, especially for us. Eh? Yeah. Right. And when uh, disaster happened, uh, what did you do? Did you, you know, if you've mentioned that it's something new, did you know the approaches that you need to take to protect yourself and what happened during the, you know, the height of the, the tsunami? Well, one thing that I'm grateful of is being educated on the the disasters there eh, back when we were at school. Eh? So when this happened, even though we were scared, we were, um, you know, we were at at a point where we didn't know what to do. But we were thankful that you know we we managed to think of ways of how to escape from such situations. So where we were staying, we we lived in um just a single story uh, building. Eh, so. One thing that we could only think of was to escape to a higher place. Eh? And just beside our home was a double-story building. And the only thing that myself and my flatmate, a Solomon Islander, Gwenda, we, we just went to the next house and ran up the building. And, and from there, we witnessed what was going on from the sea. What was the situation like? Oh, well, it was quite scary. Eh? And um, now that we... Now that I'm thinking back, it, it was it was a very very tough situation to encounter. We were standing from that double story building and we saw the waves went back and rose. Eh? It rose and then it started coming towards the land. 
and we were at the building facing the seaside eh? and and we witnessed how how the waves were rolling in coming towards the land and the only thing that you know that I could only rely on was the time was God eh? cuz what I saw was above what I imagined would happen what I saw that day was not what I expected to happen because you know we live we live in the pacific we get um you know we get drills we go through education about disasters however I was I was so so we can, I can say that I was so it was um tough experience eh? I, I was I couldn't say anything I couldn't even do anything just looking at what was happening eh? it, it was a shock yeah a shock experience right. so your family back at home might be you know wondering and uh, trying to reach out uh, to to you know to ascertain your status eh? whether you've been affected or not or you know other things that may <laughs> that they may think. Uh, what was the... Did you manage to get in touch with your family members? If so, how many days? How well, many days? Um, well, that, that part was uh, a scary part too. Eh? While the waves were coming in, I was on video call with my brother and he was also looking through the eyes of the camera of what was happening where I was. And just after that, the connection in all of Tonga got disrupted it was just cut off so my family back at home were in the middle of of a big question whether i'm still alive or not because the last thing that they heard from me was i was there still way looking out to the waves coming in eh? and um my family were also in a very emotional mess i could say but you know that's one of the big thing, one of the greatest thing growing up in a Christian, very strong Christian background that whenever we go through this difficult situation, then we will always rely on prayer. So after that cut off, we were not, we were not contacted with our families for almost two weeks. Two weeks, my family have been wondering whether I'm still alive or not. And uh, after two weeks, and then we managed to get connection from Australia. And uh, some of our friends here in Tonga, they called their families in Australia to contact those at our, our families back at home in Fiji and my friends in Solomon to ensure them that we are still alive here back in Tonga. Right. Uh, after the, the hazard, you managed to survive. Now, what are some of the coping mechanisms, knowing that you are in a critical field here in Tonga, teaching students, and you need to be, you know, mentally stable in order to execute? What did you do to make sure that you concentrate and the delivery of lessons in class was not affected? Um, as before I am going to say anything, I just want to say that I am a very strong Christian. So one thing, one thing that helped me cope was prayer, prayer, and talking a lot. When when we got connected with our families, talking a lot with them, communication with my family, and also um, socializing with people here. Eh? They manage 
to help us overcome what we went through that day. And especially for us teachers, we cannot show our emotions in front of our students. Eh? And, and so we had to, to build up the courage to be able to wear that strong face in front of our students, showing them that, you know, that nothing, nothing is wrong. Everything is okay. So, yeah, I, I believe that my, my coping mechanism was prayer and socializing. Lastly, uh, what's your, your advice or the learnings you've learned from that, uh, you know, that hazard uh, especially when uh, trying to il- inculcate the the experience towards uh, improving disaster preparedness and awareness among students. When we are given warnings, prepare yourself. When, uh, even though it may not happen, but it's always good to prepare yourself. Accidents happen. Disasters happen, and we always have to be prepared, especially for students who are getting educations on disasters. You can go help your family to always be prepared whenever we hit, whenever we hear the warnings of disasters. And uh, also, I would also like to um, encourage people out there. These are the days where disasters will always occur many times, but. We have to teach ourselves to be strong for ourselves and for our families. And always remember, be prepared. Thank you. Thank you so much for And that was Miss Kalisi Rabugu, a Fijian primary school teacher in Tonga. I'm Chosaya Nunga, reporting from Nukualofa in Tonga. Thanks to Pacific Prepared Reporter and freelance journalist Josana Nunga for that story. We need to be prepared for the future. Helping you stay safe. We have built a seawall two times, but it did no good. What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it? Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. After the Tongan volcanic eruption and tsunami in early 2022, it's fair to say that a lot of aspects of life took a while to get back to normal, including agriculture. Earlier in 2023, the Royal Agricultural and Fisheries Show in Tonga was held for the first time since 2019. And according to the CEO of Agriculture, the people of Tonga have been able to get back on track. Anasiu Falakaono from the Tonga Broadcasting Commission has this story. The kingdom is recovering well from last year's eruption, especially in the agricultural sector. The CEO of Agriculture, Dr. William Imanu, says the outcome following this year's Royal Agriculture Show was unexpected, as more people were showcasing their finest produce, despite the impacts recorded. Well... We were, uh, the ministry were providing uh, um, uh, subsidized land preparation with tractors, mechanized uh, land preparation. We also provide seedlings. So uh, we did, uh, that was part of the ministry's uh, contribution into the recovery. So in the end, we did see uh, a huge uh, uh, response in terms of uh, the food security. The, the um, agriculture show was uh, uh, 
uh, always target to bring out your, your best yield in yams. But uh, this year, most of the, uh, like in Hapai, most of the display was on uh, marine products, fish, shellfish, for some of the uh, of the uh, islands with uh, reef areas being uh, supported by Ministry of Fisheries to encourage uh, 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 sea farming of certain uh, local products and also imported uh, uh, shellfish. So uh, yes, we uh, did expect uh, the some uh, response, but uh, what we have seen is more than what we uh, is more than our expectation. The CEO adds another surprise was more women participating in the event, especially in the agricultural sector and fisheries. The um, uh, target for the agricultural show was to investigate the recovery status of of, the, of Tonga from the damages of the volcanic ash, but also for the tsunami that actually came over some of the islands and the eastern and the western side of, of Tondapu. So we did uh, uh, see uh, how the farmers were recovering, and we were very encouraged. Um, not 100%, most of the, of the competitors were women groups, I think more than half, in Tongatapu, also in the outer islands, uh, most of them were women in handicrafts, uh, other items. So that was very encouraging too. The Royal Agriculture Show resumed this year following the COVID-19 restrictions imposed since 2020. It is an annual event where Their Majesties King the Sixth and Queen Anasibao travelled to all the islands of Tonga to meet and greet their people. On the occasion, the people of Tonga showcased their finest produce and materials. Thanks to Pacific Prepared Reporter and Tonga Broadcasting Commission journalist, Anasiu Falakano, for that story. My name's Fred Hooper, and you're listening to Pacific Prepared. Disaster is part of our life, and recovering is also part of our life. As you see, they're smiling despite the devastation. That's how we are. You are listening to Pacific Prepared. There's lots of different ways to get information about disasters at the moment. The internet, local television and radio, of course. But it wasn't always this way. People have passed down these methods through stories for, well, a very long time. And maybe you know a way of telling if there's a storm coming, and maybe that was passed down to you. The point is, looking at the weather and predicting what's happening isn't new. Pacific Prepared reporter and freelance journalist Florence Fanua has this story. Our forefathers in Vanuatu used to fully use natural observation to forecast cyclones. 70-year-old, according to Stephen Ruben, a chief of Prenway Community on Malekula Island, north of Vanuatu, prior to the use of radio and mobile phones, people would only observe nature to predict the arrival of cyclones. The forefathers could tell when a cyclone was coming by how many mangoes, June plums or oranges the fruit trees were producing. There will be a ton of fruit produced by these trees. The ancestors will be aware that a cyclone is about to arise when all the branches of these trees begin to produce large heavy fruits. 
Another indication that a hurricane is on its way is when you have trouble sleeping at night due to the heat in the area. Before going to bed at night, you must cool down outside. However, because the room will be too warm after dinner, you cannot go straight to bed. That alerts them to the impending hurricane. They then began preparing their homes and gardens. They need to go to their gardens to erect EM supports since they anticipate a powerful cyclone. The ancestors received this warning that a cyclone is about to form. The elderly can predict the approach of a cyclone by watching the direction of the wind. The wind would blow for a time, then cease, and the area would go quite black. This signals the development of a hurricane. Then the rain starts, followed by the wind, and then very high winds. This indicates the presence of a powerful hurricane, which could strike us overnight or the next morning. According to Chief Stephen, there were no concrete homes back then, and the ancestors lived in custom-built homes. The construction of custom homes differs from the ones we build now, which only employ thatch palm leaves to cover copies of concrete homes with two sides. Despite having two sides, the custom houses are deeply buried. The houses was constructed by the ancestors at a very low elevation. The houses' doors are incredibly tiny. These homes were constructed by the ancestors as a means of preparation. They constructed these homes for a purpose. They are getting ready for tribal battles as well as cyclones and prolonged wet seasons. The custom-built home may endure hurricanes when they occur. Chief Stephen says the community will begin preparing the custom houses by changing out the older ropes, holding the structure together, and the touch palm leaves covering the roof as soon as the ancestors notice the beginnings of a cyclone. There has been a significant difference in hurricanes between earlier and more recent times. The reason there were no hurricane-related fatalities in earlier times was that older people built their homes in a way that endured they would survive, even the most powerful hurricanes. But this time, since the houses are made of concrete, a hurricane's impact might sometimes bend the iron of the home, break the bricks, and kill people. However, in the past, people still constructed local homes using only their hands and ropes, and they did so in a way that protected them from any hurricane that could twist an iron but could not kill them inside the custom-made home. That is the difference between the past and the present. Even though I am currently sleeping within a large concrete building, I could still pass away today. However, someone who is sleeping inside a custom-built home cannot pass away during a cyclone because the building is stable and cannot break or fall. The significant difference is that if a hurricane destroys the roof of the tall, elegant, huge concrete house, we would perish inside. But according to Chief Stephen, Nivanuatu no longer have access to these traditional homes. On Dana Island, which is located south of Vanuatu, you can still find a couple of these houses. 
However, they are no longer present on other islands in Vanuatu. House were built in custom house here. Yeah. The mere one house were got create The time we become, uh, ocean by the term say, I become no. The custom house is a gift from God. Yet we abandoned our custom villages and traditions when Christianity arrived. As soon as the foreigners arrived and began to construct concrete homes, we forgot about our own style of housing and began to replicate their designs. However, it is not a requirement that we leave our native homes and convert to Christianity. This is simply what people are thinking. Anyone can create a personalized home if they so like. We are the ones making changes to the way we construct homes because we want to live like foreigners, yet we only intend to perish in hurricane. He says there are still plenty of the building materials in the bushes in Vanuatu that were used to construct the unique home. You can only use bamboo and wood. The ropes are in the bushes, but it has a unique kind of wood that curves like a bow instead of being straight. It's comparable to the wood we use to construct bows and arrows. The wood is curved and the ends are joined. You begin stitching from the bottom of the home up to the roof's peak for the thatch palm leaves. The thatch palm leaves on the roof of the home are fastened to it without the use of nails. The thatch palm leaves are fastened to the roof with special ropes. When you connect the bamboos together, the hurricane won't be able to tear the house apart since the bamboos have their own particular ropes just like the wood of the building does. Chief Steven says the strength of the cyclones is the same as they were in earlier periods. Today's hurricanes are identical to those from the past. The way we prepare for hurricanes is what led us to realize that current hurricanes are more powerful than previous ones. There have been Category 5 cyclones in the past, but because of your house, we tend to believe that today's hurricanes are stronger than those that occurred in the past. Even if the hurricane is so powerful, you may sleep when you construct a custom home that God has given you. But the cyclone will swallow you up. If you try to imitate someone else's customs or their foreign ways of constructing houses. In the past, according to Chief Stephen, the ancestors didn't plant as many of the large bananas, also known as apple bananas in Vanuatu. But instead, they planted a lot of Cavendish bananas, also known as moon bananas in Vanuatu, because they are hardly damaged, as well as taro, yam, and a lot of water taro, because taros won't be harmed by hurricanes. He urged the Vanuatu populace to resume building the traditional homes. Thanks to Pacific Prepared Reporter and freelance journalist Florence Fanua for that story. And maybe you've got a story like this as well. We'd love to hear it. You can get in touch to search for Pacific Prepared and then scroll down to the Connect with Pacific Prepared section. Pacific Prepared is supported with funding from the Australian Government's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. 
Any views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the Australian Government. It's produced and distributed in partnership with Radio Australia and networks across the Pacific, including Radio New Zealand Pacific, National Broadcasting Corporation of Papua New Guinea, Palau Wave Radio, Fijian Broadcasting Corporation, Samoa National Radio 2AP, Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation and Tonga Broadcasting Commission. Part of the aim of this program is to start conversations about natural disasters, climate change and how traditional knowledge links them all together. My name is Fred Hooper. Please share any information that you've learned today and stay safe. This has been Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared.